God is love. He is righteous. But he also has a wrath that must be poured out on sin. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Who doesn't want to know a God like that, amen? For generations where your grandparents struggling through church, and that's who God was. It was that one dimension of God and the wrath of God. Well, then all of a sudden we had the pendulum swing all the way over this direction and make up for the sins of the past, a, a partial gospel. There is the wrath of God. And then the pendulum swung all the way over here to just the love of God. God loves you no matter what. Both are error in and of themselves alone, apart from the reality that God is love. He is righteous, but he also has a wrath that must be poured out on sin. So we take a look at this today. There are many who fought it, even all the way back to 1940. The head of the committee that was putting together the New English Bible, the chairman of that panel, in 1940 said, when it came to Romans 1.8, we must change the verbiage. Here's what he said. He said, this is an archaic phrase, the wrath of God. That's an archaic phrase that is only good for archaic ideas. And he tried to be more enlightened in his theology. Folks, we can't mess with the Word of God, what has been declared, what has been revealed. His righteousness has been revealed. His wrath has been revealed. And as we look through Scripture, we have to understand why that reality both exists, the love of God and the wrath of God. But we don't want to hear it. We don't want to understand it. We'd rather just get the warm, fuzzy side. I mean, when's the last time you turned on K-Love and you heard a song about God's amazing wrath? Or is it God's amazing grace? When's the last time you heard a song called Angry, Angry, Angry versus Holy, Holy, Holy? When was the last time you heard a song about burning in hell versus victory in Jesus, right? We want to focus on the victory and we want to focus on the love and miss out on the reality that there is a price that sin brings in the equation. Well, when we talk about this concept, people say, well, how can there be a loving God and a wrathful God? In other words, there's only this old grumpy God in the Old Testament, but we get the God we want in the New Testament, as if it's two different gods. Could it be we misunderstand? How is it possible that God can love, but God also can hate? Do you believe that God hates? When you hear that in its first, well, no, 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 God doesn't hate. We draw that filter through our own personal experience, because we've seen hate, We've seen what hate has done in this world. We have been hated and we have hated. We've seen the brutal reality of man's hate, which is a perversion of holy wrath, a reality that most people never understand. Proverbs 6, you don't have to turn there, I'll put it on the screen. In verse 16, it says, There are six things which the Lord hates. You can't know love without a holy hate. Unfortunately, we've never seen it much. The Bible says the Lord hates. What does he hate? He hates haughty eyes, lying tongues, hands that shed innocent blood. Should a holy God not despise the taking of innocent life? Should that not bother God? Should there not be a part of God's holy, righteous, 
personhood that does not despise the unholiness of what sin does on this planet. It goes on all the way through verses 19 and lists out the six things. Yes, those things that God hates. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. That doesn't please God. He can't be pleased by that. Why is it? Not because he's some old grumpy God. Not because he's the God that you just saw preached in that last video. But he knows what that evil will do in our lives, to his creation, and in this world. And yet we live in a day where everybody wants to have this picture of a loving God who even loves us even when we love sin. And God says, that is not true. When we read stories, for example, of a Marine who killed and burned his 20-year-old mistress, an unborn child, that should be something none of us embrace. When you read about a father in Mobile, Alabama, who stopped on a bridge and threw all four of his children over to their death to get back at his estranged wife, those are things that break the heart of God and obviously are things that we should not love either. So you see, you can be loving and you can reject evil. So when we talk about the wrath of God, it's not something to beat you over the head with, not something to rub your face in, it's to get us to understand really the depth of God's love. This is an inadequate picture of it, but mamas in the room are a great illustration of holy wrath. That's why they call you mama bears. Take a look here, mama bears. Uh, when you, go ahead, throw up, you got mama bear up there anywhere? Go ahead, catch, there we go. Mess with that bear's cubs and you got problems. You don't met mama bears in their love can be very, very wrathful. Can I get an amen from the young people in the student section? Does that mean they don't love you? I remember telling my parents, you don't love me. You wouldn't spank me if you, no, 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 I needed that spanking, and they did, and I promise it was out of love. Now, it wasn't always done lovingly, but it was from that motivation of love. And unfortunately, while we have experienced wrath on this planet in the flesh, there is a righteous, holy wrath, one that a loving God will pour out on sin. So let's dig in. We can look to the Old Testament. Say, so, yeah, there's that wrathful God. We can look to the New Testament and see there's the God of love. If you know John 3.16, you know about this God of love. For God so loved the world. That verse is in a conversation Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Not a tax collector. Not an addict. Not a, uh, an evil, evil man. He was the most religious guy in the whole city. And yet he was empty. And Jesus speaks into his need and speaks into the emptiness of his heart. And he starts with the love of God. Yes, God so loved each and every one of us that he gave his only begotten son. We know that verse. We know about the love of God. But do you know John 3, 36? Say it with me. John 3, 36. Ready? Set? Go. I'm, I'm getting part of it. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son will not see life but have What? good for you guys. There's some Awana leaders in the audience right there. That's the only way you know. Oh, they put it on the screen. <laughs> Don't help the people. The wrath of, golly, that made it too simple. <laughs> he starts with the love of God, but he also reminds them there is the other reality. There is also 
the wrath of God. The one who will place their faith. The righteous shall live by faith. They place their faith in the Son, has eternal life. Those who choose to live on their own without God in their life, they will experience the wrath of God, and that abides on them. So very quickly, six things that you've never thought about that you need to think about in relationship to the wrath of God. Look at Romans 1.18 again. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. It's against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. First thing, if you're taking notes, write it down. We'll go real quick. The first thing you need to see is the quality of this wrath, the quality of God's wrath. Notice it says that it is the wrath of God that is revealed. Don't let human wrath and your personal experience with somebody's anger, somebody's abusive behaviors, don't convey that on a holy God. Just because you've experienced unholy anger does not mean there isn't righteous anger. I'm sure the disciples were really, really perplexed when Jesus demonstrated that righteous anger in the temple. When he went Rambo, those guys were like, where did that come from? I thought he was Captain Meek and Mild, and here he is going Rambo in the temple. I like this Jesus. If you're on his team, right? You remember when you were a kid and your brother or sister got in trouble and they got the spank? Or, uh, you probably, they don't spank anymore. I'll just tell you when my brother got that. He got all the spankings. Because I always set him up for failure. I always told on him. I always got him in trouble. Because I like to watch him get in trouble and get spanked. And it was awesome. I loved the concept of spanking as long as it was going on my brother. But that one time, I think there was one time. A couple times. A few times. It came my direction. I begged God to come back, and I didn't even know him as my Savior. I was begging him to come back. I didn't want it, but I sure liked it when it went towards somebody else. And so there would be people who say, man, preacher, we don't get enough of that hellfire brimstone. Man, you need to bring more of that wrath stuff. You need to scare people. See, we've been set free from that, and there's a tendency to relish the fact that we don't have to express it. But man, give it to all them other ones that are suppressing the truth. Give it to all them other sinners. That's because we've experienced conditional love on this planet and conditional wrath and the anger of man. God is holy. And we have a tendency to look through that lens of personal experience. Don't let that taint you from seeing God in his holiness and what he does reject. The second thing you need to see about God's wrath is the timing of his wrath. While the Bible teaches there will be a day that every one of us will take our last breath, it teaches us very clearly. It's pointed unto man wants to die and then comes the judgment. But it also teaches that for those who place their faith, remember the righteous live by faith, when I place my faith in Christ, I am faithing what Jesus did on a cross for me to be my substitute. The Bible says in no other time have we ever seen a more pure and better picture of wrath than the cross. The cross was the physical picture of the spiritual reality of the wrath of God. For all of the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus in that moment as he died for man's sins, my sins, and your sins. I grew up not knowing any of that stuff. I grew up godless, and I grew up in an unrighteous life. I never knew that there was a substitute that was paid for me. I, did, I knew about a cross. I knew about Jesus in my head. I didn't get it. I never heard the truth of the story. And then when I finally 
sat under the preaching of God's word when it was finally revealed to me the righteousness of God and my unrighteous sin. It was clear to me that there was a separation, an eternal separation, because I was unrighteous and he was not. And then I heard how he fixed that problem. How Jesus died for my sin. That whoever would believe, including a guy named Bill Hulse, whoever would believe in what Jesus did for me and believe in their heart, they could be saved. I tried to pack everything else into this life that I could pack into it. None of it ever filled me. None of it ever satisfied me until Jesus. The Bible says for all who have faith in him, their sins have been paid for. The price has been paid. The debt is paid off. My sins are no more. And when I take my last breath on this planet, the Bible says I will be face to face with Jesus. Righteous, holy Jesus. See, I thought he died on a cross. He did. I thought they buried him in a tomb. They did. Three days later, he rose again. The Bible says he's alive and he's sitting on his throne. That throne he left to become that little baby in a manger and then the Lamb of God on a cross. He lives forever. He resurrected from the dead. And the Bible says to be absent from this body for a believer is to be present with the Lord. Present with him. How can an unrighteous Bill Hulse be in the presence of righteous Jesus? Because my sins have been covered, my sins have been paid for, and my debt has been paid. Not because of what I did, but because of what he did. The judgment of God, the wrath of God, was poured out at Calvary for my sin. Let's take the time capsule back. Let's say Bill Hulse doesn't accept Jesus in that moment. Bill Hulse says, you know what, Cammie, I'm glad you got a Savior. I'm glad you got a religion. I'm fine just like I am, but I still want to keep dating you. Let's keep going. And we keep dating and we keep living life. And I try to be better. I go to church with her, but I never give Christ my heart. When I become absent from this body, I go out into eternity in my sin. My sin that has not been paid for. My sin that adds up and racks up just like everybody else's in this room. And now I face Jesus in eternity. Because he is holy, he cannot spend eternity with me because I am unholy and I'm in my sin. And my sin separates me from God. And the Bible says there will be a judgment, the white throne judgment. And not everybody appears there, only those who go out into eternity in their sin. And in that moment, the wrath of God will be revealed. The wrath of God will be poured out on that sin. Not because God didn't love me, but because I chose not to respond to the love of God. And I'll spend eternity separated from him if I go out into eternity in that fashion. The righteousness of God is revealed. The wrath of God is revealed. But not only is that a coming judgment, but the wrath of God is revealed on sin even to this moment in this day. For you see, I've never met a single person who ever stood up and said, you know, that Bible stuff you've been preached at on Sunday mornings in churches, what a joke. Those things that have been declared righteous, let me tell you, I did it the other way. I did it the other way. I, I chose to live how I wanted to live sexually. I chose how to live how I wanted to with the vices of my life. I lived the journey I wanted to live, and I'm a better man for it. Not one person. Because you see, sin 
Sin will always disappoint. Oh, it's fun for a season. It's pleasurable for a moment. But the wrath of God is in that sin. The very first humans that ever walked on this planet, they were warned about sin and evil. They were given life abundantly and perfectly. And there was one thing that God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you do, when you bring evil into it, you will experience death, destruction, wrath of God. The enemy, you remember? The enemy whispers in their ear, come on. That's old school preaching. That's hellfire brimstone stuff. God's a God of love. He just doesn't want you to know what he knows. And he tried to convince them that if they would just live how they wanted to live, not how God designed it, not what God had declared, you do what you want to do, you do what looks good, you do what feels good, you do what you need to do, you'll be more enlightened, you'll be more fulfilled, you'll have what you're looking for. And they listened to the lie. And because it was desirable and because it looked good and because it's something they wanted, they went there. And they experienced the destruction of that choice. And to this day, on this planet, we live under the penalty of that choice. And no, it wasn't just their choice. We also make the same choices. We choose the things we shouldn't choose. We do the things that only bring harm and destruction, and yet we call it the party life, the good life, our life. And we wonder why it isn't working. People today think we're a more enlightened people, that we have become more civilized, that these things preachers preach on Sunday morning are archaic truths and ideas for archaic times. And so in our enlightenment, what we do is we just legislate and embrace everything. All is good. Nothing is evil. And that's our problem. We just need more stuff in our lives. So we will legislate it. We will legalize it. We will embrace it. We will imbibe it. And that's why we live in a culture that is more medicated than ever before. Because it didn't work in Wages of sin is death. I know we don't want to hear it. I know that isn't warm and fuzzy. But if somebody doesn't share it, the enemy wins. The lies go forth. And Jesus said, I came to set you free. Very quickly, we've got to catch up. The sources of God's wrath says it is from heaven. It's revealed from heaven. It's from God. It's not a fleshly anger or wrath. It is a holy, heavenly wrath. Number four, you can write it down as the extent of God's wrath. Look at it. It's against what? All ungodliness and all unrighteousness. Again, some people think that there are some sins that are okay and others that are not. There are certain things in this generation that now we are doing that previous generations didn't do. Is it because we're more enlightened? Do we get to call the rules? No, the Bible says all of God's wrath will be poured out on all ungodliness, what he has declared, and what he has declared, which is righteous and unrighteous. But look at the object of God's love, number five, or God's wrath, number five. It draws two categories, ungodliness and unrighteousness. What's the difference? 
Ungodliness would mean living life as if God doesn't exist. Ungodliness is living a godless life. It's saying, I'm going to live life how I want to live it. I don't need God. I don't need God's opinion. I don't need God's ideas. I don't need God's direction. I certainly don't need his rule book. I'm going to live life the way I want to live it. That's a godless life. I told you I grew up living a godless life. Not because I wanted to disappoint God. I even thought there was a God. Just like Nicodemus, who was a teacher to the Pharisees and religious people in his day. And yet he had a godless life. God wasn't in it. He just had religion. You see, a godless life isn't just for the pagan who's outside the church. It can happen underneath the steeple of a church. A godless life is one that says, I can live without God's direction. I don't need a shepherd. I don't need his will. I have mine. That's a godless life. An unrighteous life is one who takes that which was designed to be righteous and does what he wants with it. It is a perversion of the righteous. It becomes unrighteous. And we see that in everyone's falling short of God's glory. And on those two things, a godless life and an unrighteous life, on godless decisions and unrighteous decisions, the wrath of God, the penalty of those decisions, brings destruction and death. See, I don't want to hear that. I don't need that. The sixth thing I'd give you is the cause of God's wrath. It's because we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is poured out on godlessness and unrighteousness because we are suppressing the truth. We are trying to decide what is true. We will figure out what are the rules and the boundaries. And God says, no, I have declared what is holy, what is true. In Ephesians chapter 2, I close with this, says, you were once dead in your trespasses and in your sin. Those which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. And among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of our mind. We were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God. Yes, there's the wrath of God, but then there's God in his mercy. But God in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, that even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. And he has raised us up with him, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, the wrath of God will be poured out on godlessness and unrighteousness. But God who's rich in mercy and God who loves you desires that you not experience that, but that you would experience his eternal love. And the only way you can know that is right here with the heart. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Everybody said, oh, thank you, Lord. God is holy. And he has a holy love. And God in his holiness also has a holy wrath. The wrath would be poured out on godlessness and unrighteousness. The love is poured out on those who by faith 
trust in his act of love. That act of love that was demonstrated while we were yet sinners. And it happened at Calvary. It happened on a cross. It happened as the Lord Jesus himself hung innocently, having not sinned, having no wrong in his life, but being the substitute for yours and for mine. For God so loved the world, he gave up his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe. That's an interesting thing. You see, when I was growing up, I told you I lived godless and unrighteously. I believed there was a God. But I wasn't saved. I wasn't a Christian. Because I was believing in my head. I knew, I just knew that there was a creator. I knew there was a God. I knew about Jesus. But I never knew he died in my place. I never knew why he died on a cross. I just knew he did. I didn't know that was because of my sin, that I'd fallen short of the glory of God. And that that sin in my life would separate me from a holy God forever. But that that holy God so had a holy love for me, he paid the price for my sin. The wage of sin is death, he became that death. Yes, God is a God of love. And that wrath, the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus' body on that cross as he paid the price for man's sin. The question is, what do you believe? Not what do you know, what do you believe? Has there been a time in your life where you've believed in your heart? I'm not talking about the blood pumping organ. That, that word for heart there is speaking of your inner being. That dead part of you, the spiritually dead part that needs to be born a second time. You need the love, forgiveness of God that comes as we surrender and we call on the name of the Lord. Is that you today? Do you need Jesus as Savior? And you can pray right where you are, very simply, and say, Lord, I call on your love. I confess my sin. Lord, I turn from that sin. I turn to you as my Savior. I believe not only in my head, but now in my heart, I give you my life. Is that your prayer? The Bible says if you'll call on his name, if you will call out to him, if you'll believe in your heart, you are now saved. You ought to come when we stand in a moment. I know it's not popular. I know it's not easy, but give God the glory. Our staff will be here at the front. You come and just share publicly. Tell them, Jesus just saved me. We'll do the rest of the talking. You're standing there. You're coming. We'll give God all the glory. But there are many in this room, you have trusted Jesus. You have believed in your heart, but along the way, you have taken a path of godless decisions. You have taken a path of unrighteous choices. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not new news. That's not to rub your face in it, but Jesus came to set you free from it. Would you let him? It starts by getting honest. It starts by coming to God and confessing, Lord, I have sinned. Lord, that was a godless choice. Lord, that was unrighteous. Lord, what I've been doing is not holy. God, forgive me. And he says, if you'll confess it and turn from that sin, he is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you of all godlessness and unrighteousness. Maybe there's some Christians in the room that need to do some business with God. If that's you, talk with your God right now. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'll pray with you here at the front. 
If you need a church family, we'd love to be your church family. You can join the church by coming forward this morning. If you have another decision for Christ, let's make sure that the next choice all of us make is with God in mind and is righteous. Father, I pray that over each and every person here today. May this be a holy time. May this be a time of transformation as you work in each and every one of our lives. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.